It's October 13th, 2022. This is a special edition of Rook. Well, hi there. Welcome to episode 206 of Rook and another special edition. Hey, UNICEF, children are being murdered in Iran. I'm Gian Gomeshi. Hello to you from Toronto. Salam dustan aziz. And forgive me, I wanted to do something inspirational for today's essay, but my heart is too heavy. Hey, UNICEF, children are being murdered in Iran. We all know some of the names by now. Nika, Sadina, Amir, Zakaria, teenagers. But the list is getting too long to even include all of these precious souls. And this week, the news of another murder of a 16-year-old boy named Abul Faz Adenizadeh in Mashhad. There were 24 bullets in his body. He died in a hospital, and authorities will not even give his body to his family unless the family release a bullshit statement saying he was actually murdered by protesters. This is how twisted things have gotten with this regime. And let's dispense with calling them a government, please. This is a cabal of killers. Children are being murdered in Iran. If only there were an international body that had been explicitly set up to protect kids around the world. Well, hang on a second, there is. The UN, UNICEF. Hey, UNICEF, children are being murdered. Look, there are a lot of people on the front lines of this revolution in Iran, and let us respect and pay tribute to the women and men of all ages who are putting their lives on the line for the sake of human rights. But let's be clear about what is happening to children. A new report says the average age of those being arrested in Iran right now is 15. It's inconceivable. For what? Protests that are about basic rights? Hey, UNICEF, children are being murdered in Iran. And yes, a couple of days ago, the UNICEF executive director issued a statement saying they are extremely concerned about reports coming out of Iran. Concerned. This may be a little beyond the we are concerned moment, don't you think? Dear United Nations, how about we use your own convention to assess whether Iran is contravening any of your dictates? This would be the UN Convention on the Rights of the Child, often cited as the most widely ratified human rights treaty in the world. Let's take a quick look, shall we? Article 12. Every child has the right to express their views, feelings, and wishes in all matters affecting them. Article 14. Every child has the right to think and believe what they choose. Article 17. Every child has the right to reliable information from a variety of sources. Article 24. Every child has the right to the best possible health. Article 37. Children must be treated with respect and care and be able to keep in contact with their family. Article 38, governments must do everything they can to protect and care for children. Article 6, every child has the right to life, survival, and development. Hey, UNICEF, children are being murdered in Iran. And you know who one of the signatories to that convention is? Iran, ratified by the Majlis in 1994. What a crock of shit. Dear UN, what is the purpose of your conventions? Or should we wait for more tepid statements of concern? 
Surely this is the time for international institutions, whose very purpose is the protection of children, to step up and address the situation in Iran. There is no democratic election that can remove this regime. There is no reform that is going to take place, and there will be no end to these protests that now have the blood of those children running in the streets. This will continue until the regime is gone. And it's up to you, institutions, UN, UNICEF, come on, drag yourself along. Coming up in the next two hours, we're going to speak to four different young voices inside Iran as part of our Thursday series, Voices from Inside Iran. These are young women and men on the front lines of the protests live on the line from Iran. This is episode 206, a special edition of Rook, The Uprising. Voices from Inside Iran, part three. in the Rook studio. Hi, Pega. Hello. Hello, Shia. Hi, Azizan. The Rook on Air team. Okay, uh, by the way, I wanted to do an essay about, uh, like I was all set the last couple of days to do an essay about people power, mm-hmm. human intervention. You know, I wanted to talk about people power because I, I've seen... Have you, you've seen, I'm sure, those videos, the ones that the, there's these videos that come out of Iran now that everybody shares for 24 yep. hours, you know. Um, <laughs> and uh, there was a couple that came out in the last couple of days that came out, I mean, that people shot. And mm-hmm. fortunately, we got to see but of somebody being arrested or an attempt at arresting somebody or or attacking somebody by the besiege, by the military, by the police, and uh, a number of of bystanders or citizens coming and stopping that Mm -hmm. from happening. Yeah. Uh, It's that eternal question when you see somebody uh, needing something on the street, would you stop and help Mm -hmm. them? Well, we're seeing in the, in the case of Iran and places like these videos from Tehran and other, other, other places that, that the collective um, power of, of people, pushing back and going no 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 mm-hmm. you're not going to arrest this person no you're not going to hit this person no you're not going and a crowd develops and mm-hmm. and so it's it's quite inspiring on the on Very. this idea of, of people power so I, I was going to I had a whole essay about that <laughs> and then I, I I woke up just really troubled about you know yesterday we heard about this kid in Mashhad that I mm-hmm. talked about in that essay mm-hmm. and just just really really sad about this 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 death of these kids in Iran I almost you know I I almost want to apologize to people for starting each show in a in a down, you know, or angry way, but I'm not sure how else to do this, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, what are we supposed to do, yeah. right? And the death of these kids in Iran and the growing toll of victims, like this this like ongoing list of of teenagers, mm-hmm. you know, it just it really really messed me up thinking about it. Actually thinking about it and thinking about how you know, the big issues that uh, we deal with in the West for an yeah. average 15-year-old is, uh, are they too materialistic about their new video games? Mm-hmm. And uh, do they have anxiety? I mean, you know, they're the big, really big yeah. issues, right? And here we're talking about the homeland that we all come from mm-hmm. murdering these 15-year-olds. Yeah. And it's 
for what right it's, it's just so crazy it's so crazy and i i even think as as much as this very thing has produced a near insurrection uh, a revolution in in iran because people are fed up with it i still think 43 years have sort of turned this into something that that is almost not a surprise to iranians it's just, mm-hmm. it's, so so it's like yeah another kid died you know and it's just so outrageous when you zoom out and you go some 15 year old who is wants to go first of all a 15 year old who cares enough about their country to mm-hmm. want to change things and well, isn't pulled aside and told well you know just don't do it violently or be careful or whatever but is killed yeah oh I mean, I think it's exactly what you said. Unfortunately, when we look at it in the context of the Middle East and not even just Iran, but I think unfortunately in the context of the Middle East, when you hear about um, such young deaths, it's almost as if we expect it in a way to come for these news to come out of that region. But it's only when you look at it as a bigger picture and you compare a 15 year old in, you know, what's going on in Iran right now to a 15 year old here that it really hits you and you realize, you know, what am I what have I been accustomed to? What have I been, yeah. you know, it, it's, and it's that thought process of, like you said, the 15 year old here who we're worried about video games and anxiety and this and that. And then the 15 year old in Iran where we're worried about life and death. Yeah. And I think it's a, it's a good thing that the media and the, uh, a lot of people in the West are waking up to this. Mm-hmm. They see those images of Nika or Sarina mm-hmm. or Amir or this, uh, um, you know, the, the, the boy from yesterday, Mashad, Shai, you know, I, I, his name is hard for me. Abul Fazla or Dinazada? Yeah, uh, Abul Fazla. <laughs> yes. There's the Z and the L. <laughs> it's not that's not easy stuff. Um, uh, beautiful boy. The, these these when people are seeing these images, you know, Nika doing that little dance and mm-hmm. song. She, mm. They 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 they're realizing that these are not. They, it's hard to other. Yes. You know, to otherize that, it's you see it and go, "Wow, that looks like a fifteen-year-old in Toronto exactly. or in LA or yeah. in Berlin or what you know." Um, but unfortunately, there's not enough of that thinking because that's that whole essay was about, "Hey, mm-hmm. you know, UNICEF." I mean, what, you know, again, I don't know how many times we can say this, but if this stuff was happening, as you say, in Calgary, exactly, or in Denver, or in you know Manchester. Very different response. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I know it goes back to, you know, when we had previously talked about weeks ago, where is the Western world? And now we're looking at these organizations like where is UNICEF? Where is Amnesty? It's the next step. It's the next step. And and I don't know, I mean, as you were Tweets are not enough. yeah, Yeah, definitely. But as you were doing your essay, I was thinking, you know, why do we keep coming to the same point where we come to these realizations and the Western world, whether it be an organization or the government or <clears throat> the media or whoever, it's like they're two steps behind. Yeah. And then once they do reach a point where, you know, Oprah puts out a video or, yeah. you know, Michelle Obama makes a statement and it, it almost feels like too little too late. Well, and by the way, the UN is not the West. The UN is ostensibly the yeah. whole world. Like exactly. I said, this, this organization is created ostensibly for mm-hmm. situations like this. But Which what is UNICEF for, right? Yeah. Uh, 
and there there's a there's a bunch of groups too. I didn't want to start calling oh, yeah. out a, you know all the all the different NGOs or the the children's organizations. Mm. And I know some of them are doing as much as they can, and they're busy in other parts of the world. And this is just a developing story and all of that stuff. But uh, um, and and look, the flip side of this is that these young people are the very people who are inspiring the world, mm-hmm. and yes. they're inspiring us. Yes. And part of what we've been doing with this Thursday Voices from Inside Iran series is is hearing from people in Iran because every time we've done this, um, the feedback we've gotten is people are blown away because they're so inspired by mm-hmm. hearing from people actually on the front lines in Iran, young women, young men in Iran, uh, and who are putting their lives on the line. And I always believe that activists who want to change the world must be the most hopeful or optimistic people around because <laughs> yes. they wouldn't do it if they didn't think they could yeah. make a, make a difference. And so, so it's inspiring to see their hope, right? It's inspiring to see their investment in hope and their determination. And so, we've got another one of those uh, episodes today where this time we got four people uh, we're going to speak to. Now, I should say we have spent the last two days discussing how difficult it is for us to get in touch with people in Iran. Mm-hmm. This is this is a different a change from say mm-hmm. 2 weeks ago mm-hmm. where even though the audience was going, "Wow, where did you find these people? This is great." Our connection issues were not as much of an issue. It was mm-hmm. hard to find people because it's a scary thing to do to come on a show and do, you know, yeah. um, we use pseudonyms and we try and say not exactly where they are and everything. But but now it's it's really turned into a a difficult period. So Outside of Tehran, we actually had a few people lined up. We've somebody in Zahedan, which of course is the epicenter of a lot of lot of horrible stuff happening. Um, we had somebody up north. We had somebody in the Khuzestan area uh, and um, and Mashhad, yeah. where which is a place that we've talked to people the last couple of weeks. And all of those folks in the last two days, two or three days have gone silent. Mm-hmm. In other words, we're seeing that they, they're not even seeing our messages to yeah. them, right? Yes. Um, so that's why today, I think we've got three people in Tehran and one in the north of Iran. Yes. Um, in a city that we're not gonna mention because we don't wanna sort of out them, but uh, but um, yeah, I mean, I know Shai, you've been trying yes. to get in touch with a couple of people. Yeah, especially like uh, the people in Zahedan, they really wanted to be on the show and speaking about the situation there. But yeah, they kind of disappeared. Not uh, I, like I'm kind of worried for them. Like yeah, yeah. But uh, uh, hopefully, it's just because of internet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there's a couple of folks will get a message once in a while, but the WhatsApp isn't going mm-hmm. through or something like that. But I think something, I know that yesterday, I'm sure that some of these, uh, some of the people we've got lined up to talk to, we'll talk about this. But yesterday ended up being a big day in Iran in terms of protests happening in different places. Mm-hmm. And um, concomitantly, the regime cracked down harder on blacking out the internet. And so I think that's some of the, some of what, what, We've realized this happening, um, but it is harder to get in touch with people. That's scary on a number of levels, mm-hmm. um, and yet videos are making it out. Mm-hmm. You know, some information is making it out, and and we're seeing that. Yeah, I mean, I think that just speaks to the resilience of you know the the youth of Iran and 
every step of the way it's like with the internet blockage with the crackdowns with everything they're still managing to make their voice heard and i think it just furthers our responsibility out uh, outside of iran to echo their voice now i know pega you in the last two or three days because you've been very active you mm-hmm. were at all the protests you were posting a lot of stuff you were yeah. storing you were and you're here of course with the real community as well but uh you kind of went silent yourself for a couple of days mm-hmm. not silent but i but um you weren't posting as much and yeah. when i talked to you about this this morning you said that that was an active choice mm-hmm. talk to me about it i mean i think i just at some point um i think it was two nights ago or three nights ago somewhere along there um i just felt completely overwhelmed with everything that was you know with with the constant scrolling through news and social media and the videos and um you know talking to people around me and um like you said the demonstrations all of it together it was just this sense of i just completely felt overwhelmed and so emotional and taken by everything that was going on and um it was to a point where it was starting to affect me you know during work it was starting to affect my sleep um and i just thought you know i wasn't being productive anymore Mm -hmm. i wasn't able to stay on top of not only my work but even the research that we do here or anything really um and i thought you know i'm of no use like this i'm not helping anything and so i decided to take a about two days and just not post anything, try not to read as much, try not to, you know, be involved in a lot of the conversations, um, which was really difficult because everyone in my immediate network is, you know, mostly Iranian and Mm -hmm. and this is all we're talking about. But um, I just felt like I needed to take a step back and... And did it help? It did. It did. I mean, you know, I caught up on some sleep. I, you know did some things to uh, take my mind off of it, did some yoga, (laughs) you Mm -hmm. know, that sort of thing. And it helps. I think it's important in the midst of all of this to remember to take a step back when you really need it. Um, Because again, I think we're all so involved and so emotionally involved in what's going on that it does take its toll. Mm. Uh, It's been a while that I don't see those videos that says it's disturbing, sensitive. Oh, you won't look at it? No, no. I, I just prefer to like someone tell something mm. happen what happens if you look at it I, it's not helpful you know mm. to make myself more depressed <laughs> you know yeah w- yeah I, I prefer to like be how can i say be more active and more energized and yeah g- give hope to people but by seeing yeah. those videos i it doesn't yeah it, it's well there's fun. nothing tough there's nothing tough guy about uh or you know tough person about uh, spending 24 hours a day looking at your phone. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, because um, we already know a gazillion studies have been done that's, that show exposing your eyes to this uh, uh, 24-7 is not a good thing. Mm-hmm. And I would imagine psychology 101 would be, or psychotherapy 101 would be, uh, also if you're spending that 24 hours just looking at people being shot or, yeah. or repressed or oppressed, uh, that can be very deleterious to your headspace yeah. I, I, f- I feel like I've had dreams about mm-hmm. protests in Iran and stuff well, I, it course. comes to me in my dreams yeah. which yeah. it would be obvious mm-hmm. yeah but um, but it's also pretty weird yeah. you know it's like we're definitely in the subconscious um, and there's a, there's a strange thing too where it's so all-consuming for Iranians it's so all-consuming it it's kind of like the early days of COVID, mm-hmm. where it was all-consuming, mm-hmm. right? 
But the f- but the difference is is that COVID was the whole world was mm-hmm. in it. So you would talk to somebody who was from a different community, and they would know exactly what you're talking yes. about. I found myself going. I went to the dry cleaner, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like a. They're not Iranian, yeah. you know. Uh, near my area is not very Iranian when in downtown Toronto, and uh, and the guy said, "Hey, how's it going?" You know, I was like, "Well, you know how it is." And things, I think, and he's like, "What?" You yeah. know, like, and and he, after a while, he kind of clued in. He went, mm-hmm. "Oh, the thing in Iran, you guys, and you know," but but it wasn't. You know, it wasn't obvious to him that mm-hmm. uh, there's because it's not top of mind for non-Iranians. Un- un- unfortunately, mm-hmm. unfortunately, at best, it's something that they've heard about that's happening over there, and uh, a couple of celebrities have posted yeah. about it, and they think it's bad. You know, so it's a, it's a strange bubble yeah. that we, as a global Iranian mm-hmm. community, are, are in because I know very, very few people who are not consumed in this mm-hmm. exactly the way you said. Yeah. And everyone's exhausted they are. from stress and worry. And, you know, we're all worried about our families there. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and it's such a fine line between, you know, being active and involved and, um, you know, trying to help in any way, shape or form and being s- completely taken by what's happening and kind of going down this wormhole of, you know, like Shia said, just being completely depressed and succumbing to these emotions that we all have right now. So I think mm. it's really important for everyone to just take a minute or two whenever they need it and just be mindful of that. Mm. We're in a weird sort of moment too where we're, uh, we now realize it's not going to be over, you know, it's not, it's not a flash in the pan. It's mm-hmm. not a, a two-week protest that was crushed or something. We know that it's going to continue on Monday. In fact, I said it's not a protest, it's a revolution. At the same time, we don't know where we're at in mm-hmm. that we don't know if this is the way it's going to be going for a while now and and we don't know how fast things are moving what chips are going to fall mm-hmm. what, like, what exactly the regime is going to do as the crackdown gets more brutal we so we're we're in a strange middle period here and one of the things that's a little odd is watching people try to decide whether they're they can go back to their normal lives. Uh, and I've seen a couple of people, like I'm thinking of one person in particular, and she started posting pictures of herself, I don't know, with a f- fashion line or something, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, which immediately I was like, really? Are you kidding? Yeah. But then I kind of empathized too, and or sympathized, I should say, because I thought I, that's her job. And, and so... You know, she's kind of testing the water. Am I allowed to <laughs> show that I do fashion stuff? You right. know, and, but it was seemed so wrong and incongruous with the mood, mm-hmm. and um, and uh, so <laughs> I, I, I mean, you know, our priority is what's going on in Iran and supporting people there and everything. But but on a broader sort of socio political kind of perspective a sociocultural perspective mm-hmm. it's interesting for me to think yes. about these things and yeah. go how are people going to return to normalcy mm-hmm. or or what we thought was normalcy in terms of uh, their presence yeah. without you know really giving this their respect and due right well i mean it's funny because we keep talking about um you know inside of iran how things will never go back to prior to the last 
20 some odd days but i honestly think it's the same for the iranians living outside of iran i think as a community as a whole i don't know how anyone is going to back going to go back to that same sense of pre revolution if if that's Mm. what we're calling it right so it's difficult like you said when we see posts and things like that everyone is so in that headspace of Mm. you know what's happening in iran and what's next and that it's hard to see someone post anything other than that. Now, how do you feel if someone is not saying anything? I mean, at this point, I think there's been a lot of conversation around people who haven't said anything. And um, I think prior to the last couple of days, I would have felt differently. But um, given what I just went through personally the last few days and that sense of need to take some Mm. time to myself, um, I have a bit more understanding. Mm. But I think it's also dependent on the person. Like, you know, have you not said anything since day one? Or See, that's where I'm at with it. That's where I'm at with it. I, th- I feel like you don't need to be, I, I, I'm not going to jump on someone, shame someone yeah. for, for not posting, t- you know, 20 times a day mm-hmm. or uh, shouting from their rooftops or putting giant signs, billboards above their house or something mm-hmm. like that. But if somebody hasn't said anything yeah, since September 13th, 16th. Yeah. Uh, I, I got a problem with that. I think that's a stance in and of itself. If you haven't yeah. said anything for the last 28 days now, I think, 27, 28 days, that in and of itself is, is making a stance. Yeah. That means you're actively trying to keep quiet. Yeah. Which, yeah. that's problematic. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a, yeah, that, that's an issue. Mm-hmm. I think that's yeah. an issue. I mean, obviously there are people who are much more, um, enthusiastic about being angry at folks who aren't yeah. saying it as much mm. as they should, but but I also th- think it depends on who you are in terms yeah. of if if you're a, if you're someone with five hundred thousand followers mm-hmm. on on TikTok or Instagram, you do have a different responsibility than you know Correct. my aunt that mm-hmm. uh, speaks to three people a yeah. day and you know has has a pretty modest life and uh, y- you know uh, obviously yes. cares about this, but. There's a, there's only so much she can mm-hmm. do publicly. For sure. Um, so it depends on the person, I, yeah. I guess. Yeah. But I have to, and I know we've talked about this amongst ourselves, but I have to kind of put this out there right now since we're on the topic that I also don't agree with this whole shaming campaign that, that we have going on within the community. Like, I think it's, I mean, so many people are putting their energy towards pointing fingers. Mm. And, you know, I understand the anger. I, I, I empathize or sympathize with the people who are angry enough to want to mm-hmm. do that. But I think you mean this is the people who were reformists before and wanted the nuclear deal and that kind of yeah whatever their stance was. I Uh I think there's a lot of people out there right now who are putting a lot of energy into shaming individuals who aren't necessarily on the same page as them. Or yeah, but what if the people were were de facto enabling this regime that's killing people? I mean, that's isn't that's the problem, right? Yeah, but. What are we getting out of, you know, pointing fingers right now and spending all of our time saying, let's put them, let's put them on blast and, you know, mm. going after them the way we are. I Not to say that I agree with anyone who, you know, ha- has not taken a stance or who, you know, was enabling mm. in the past or anything like that. But I think if anything, we should be putting our energy, our energy right now towards, you know, speaking to media outlets raising awareness being the voice of the people inside iran like these are these are the more important things right now as opposed to who can i find who didn't make a post on instagram or had a post from 
10 years ago that was potentially a reformist angle. Yeah, I no, I I I I understand what you're saying, but if you're a a writer for a major newspaper mm-hmm. in the western world and you've been writing stuff that is either a inaccurate b nonsense or 3 or or c <laughs> uh, uh, is somehow um maintaining the status intentionally mm-hmm. maintaining the status quo of this regime being in power i don't know man i don't i i i'm not sure if i, w- I want people to wait before calling that out i you know yeah uh, I mean, or at least i ins- i understand the incentive to yeah right? but that's different that goes back to what you were just saying about platforms right and the difference between someone who's a writer for a well-established paper mm-hmm. and someone on instagram who might be you know three steps removed from your network let's say mm. so i think that's I, I understand what you're saying, I, and and I do think that there's uh, there can be misplaced energy mm-hmm. in, in in terms of yelling at each other rather yeah. than. Uh, but I I do uh, I am um, I'm on board with someone like Nikohen Kosar who's been coming on the show saying like he was on the show on Monday saying look there's people out there who have been. Um, actively lobbying mm-hmm. to help effectively keep this regime in power yeah. and maybe like okay let's expect some reforms from them or something and i get why he's calling that out and i get the anger around mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. yeah yeah i think uh, like the individuals more like yes. the story of my aunt i told you yeah that. your yeah. aunt was was yeah, shamed because she was wearing a hijab and yeah. That that that's, is yeah, a drag. Yeah, that that's that drag. sucks and it's wrong. Yeah. I I think yeah. Yeah, um, there is one other thing about like this whole revolution. I want to uh, point out is like the amount of artwork that are produced mm. these days, mm-hmm. and it's you know it's fascinating and good qualities. You know, yeah, yeah. it's really fascinating and like it's amazing. It's like an art competition with a subject. You know, you know a couple of really well-meaning people who came to me and said, uh, "Hey, we want to get a bunch of people to raise money and um, make a, a video that's gonna you know have a big impact." And 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 I said, to be honest, I mean, you you know. You could do that, but maybe you want to put your money somewhere else because people are already making great videos. <laughs> like, yes. you know, there's like teenagers making amazing videos. Yeah, I'm yes. not sure, or, you know, I'm not sure that a, a paid campaign to yeah. to do a good video is going to actually make that much of a difference in the current landscape. There's, yeah. it's, it's, it's about people coming up with all kinds of innovative ways. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you're right. There's a lot of amazing imagery mm-hmm. that's being used. Uh, it's, it, if 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 we weren't dealing with friggin' kids being killed and and worrying about whether how we can get rid of this regime or what you know it it would be a great time to be exploring all the artwork that's being made <laughs> and hopefully there'll be sunny days on the other side where yes. all of that can be looked at yes let's go to our um yes, let's get into our content for the day and um we you have Sam, yeah, right? Yeah, so so I, thank you, Pega. Um, and by the way, if you uh, really hate all the things Pega just said, <laughs> I'll be sharing her email address at the end of the. <laughs> you can publicly go at her. Uh, I kid, of course. I, I, Pega is giving her opinion. <laughs> we allow that. Please, please allow that. Uh, yes. And you were just saying you don't think some people should be unfairly targeted Absolutely. for yeah. So okay. 
uh, <clears throat> let's go to um, we're going to go to Tehran first. Mm-hmm. This is a uh, a documentarian and a comedian by the name of Sammy. He's been waiting on the line. We've been looking forward to talking to him. Uh, Sammy, are you there? Yes. Hi, Gian. Hi. Thank you. Thank you so much for doing this. We're, as I've been saying on this program, we're having a lot of trouble reaching anybody in Iran right now with the, the internet crackdown. I'm, I'm glad that we found you. Let me just start by asking how, how are you feeling today in this moment about what is happening in Iran? Well, that is a loaded question, my friend. Um, that is, it's a bit tough to tell you exactly how I feel because I have like a, a cocktail just a mixture of confusion, happiness, hope, and anger, rage, and all of the things that any normal human being would feel in this in this situation. To be honest, <laughs> how would you describe the atmosphere today in Tehran, in, in as much as you can tell from where you are? Well, I was in uh, I was mostly in downtown because uh, uh, I, I ride a bike, right? And I, I was on my bike. I was just uh, patrolling the the hot neighborhood for protests and all that. Uh, today was relatively and weirdly quiet, to be honest with you, because it wasn't just the protesters that weren't there. It was also the anti-protest task force. I saw none of them. And it was the weirdest thing because I was like, these people are, <clears throat> they're just on call, man. They're always there. They're all on standby, but none of them were there. What, 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 did, what do you surmise is the reason? I, to be honest with you, I think they've, because uh, the protests uh, at the at the beginning, it started in downtown, right? But it actually got to other parts of the of the Tehran city, and I think they have uh, relocated their forces to be able to handle it better, perhaps. Because uh, I saw none of them in downtown. We were seeing that yesterday, Wednesday, was a there was a there were a fair amount of protests all over Iran. Um, who's, oh, yeah, you, yeah. So yesterday was a, was different. Yesterday was was probably different, dude. I saw a couple of tear gas like being shot out of the canister, just like right next to my ear, and uh, I've never heard it. It sounds deafening, by the way. Um, besides the you know unpleasant smell and and the tears and all that, but. Um, I saw some of that happening in downtown, but I believe most of the protests uh, were um, in in the south of the city and in the east and the west. You know, it's it's really hard to tell seeing from little video clips here and there, and 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 one video clip will get shared a gazillion times, and so you you sort of think that what's happening in the video is happening everywhere, and it's either uh, infuriating or it's or it's inspiring. Um, uh, but do you do you feel? I mean, the vibe seems to be that the regime is cracking down much harder. Uh, in the last few days than it already had been. I mean, uh, if, you, if you can go, if you can describe killing kids as, uh, killing more kids as, as harder. But I mean, uh, is that something you've noticed? I don't think it's harder than before because uh, people who are protesting are way more organized at this stage, right? They've been doing it for, for 26 days now. And they're doing it in every front, by the way. They're doing it like either whether it's it's an artist with a, with their art, whether it's uh, people who are going into the streets. They are more, much more calculated uh, with their with their measures. But uh, I think the beatdowns are 
getting more severe on both sides because it's not just the people afraid of the afraid of the regime's uh, uh, forces. It's the forces that are afraid of people as well because you could actually see it in their eyes. Every time I pass them by, I, I, I just keep looking at them, just trying to assess the situation. Um, and when I look at them, I can absolutely see the fear in their eyes because they are, look, these are, they are just working for an organization, right? They never thought this would happen. And to be honest with you, they are not that well prepared. That's that's really interesting. You know that this was something that one of the people we spoke to, a woman we spoke to inside um, Iran three weeks ago, said that she could see the fear in their eyes, and and you know that um, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, it's it's hard to believe that all of these folks, some of them are obviously thugs who might get off on it or something, but it's hard to believe absolutely. that uh, that they're that they all signed up for you know killing their their compatriots right i mean it's uh it's it's pretty har- horrible stuff are you if if last week was a revelation in as much as um it was really the week where we realized okay the old crackdown and the internet blockage and stuff like that is not going to stop um the protests these this time uh is that what you're seeing this week i mean are are, are you witnessing a determination that suggests that nobody's going anywhere in terms of this thing uh continuing and growing well do you mean in in people that i'm associated with or or just in general like within the Within whatever I'm seeing, either, either. I mean, yeah. Do you talk talk about the people that you're, the protesters you know, or the determination you've seen? Or absolutely, go ahead. Well, um, I'm going to start with the people that I, you know, know personally and all that. I have to tell you, every time you see, like, we, me, and my friends, and all the people that I know, every time we see a, a snippet of of these protests, and every time we see one of these anti-protest. Um, forces or these guards or whatever every time we see one of them beating somebody we just get infuriated right and at that moment you have this feeling that i just i just want to just suffocate someone with my own hands i can kill them i can strangle them because that's the the level of anger that it really induces Hmm. um and within the people i don't know if you've um if you've been following the news or not but um, the people in refineries uh, down south have been um, on strike yes. uh, for the past, I think it's it's been four days now. Um, and more and more industries are really joining um, this movement and, and, and all the strikes that are going on, which is, um, to be honest with you, it's a, it's a positive because we live in a country that, that really lives off oil and uh, if you don't have that, and if you've been really neglecting people who are working in those just crucial industries, um, you're you know you're not going to get out of this hmm. as a as a government. It's interesting that you should ask me if I've been following the news. I mean, I'm I'm oh, do- dude, sorry. <laughs> no, 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 it's okay. I mean, I'm I'm like anybody else. I'm doom scrolling through the the social media reports or, 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 you know, whatever video that we can see coming out of Iran or, or talking to people like you on, on this program. I've been, I've been, I actually been contemplating, um, about uh, what am I going to tell you? 
And I just wanted to just give you and your listeners a piece of advice. I've been in your shoes. Like I've been in a situation where I'm overseas and I really don't know what to do. And all I can do is scroll through yeah. um, Twitter, yeah. Instagram, and it just drives you crazy, doesn't yes. it? Yes. Like it's just. So what's the advice? Well, the advice is not to, I'm not going to say not follow the news because obviously you're going to, you're going to have to do that because we're Iranian. Wherever we go in this world, that badge is with us. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it's in our DNA to know what is happening in the place that we all came from. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, um, you have to be able to distinguish the noise uh, from the signal. Right. And when you're on social media, uh, especially Twitter, it's like, I'm not going to say it's 90% noise. I'm just going to say like it's 70% credible news. Right. But 30% of it is, is just of horrendous yeah. stuff. Right. And you have to be able to distinguish that. And sometimes when you're overseas, it, it gets a bit messy trying to do that. So what I recommend to you and your listeners is that you should find a credible source, like not just one, like let's just say five credible sources, some somebody that you've verified. Right. Mm -hmm. And just follow those people. Well, I, you know? I, I will say that we do our best for example, um, with Rook Media here, we're doing our best to to bring people on that we think are credible, and especially in this moment. And honestly, the most informative, I mean, we've brought on, on pundits and professors and, and influencers, et cetera, but the most informative stuff that we've done is talking to, to, to you guys, to people who are, you know, on on the ground in Iran uh, and telling us what they're experiencing. Yeah, and, and I know that, I, you you know, your perspective is your perspective. You don't speak for 84 million people necessarily in Iran, but it's, it's very instructive. Here's something I do want to ask you. I did an opening essay just now or a little while ago here on this this episode about how I am just heartsick at the number of kids who are dying. There are children being murdered in Iran, and I'm calling out UNICEF. Where is UNICEF? Do you see? I mean, we're we're seeing you know reports that uh, the average age of the people being arrested of the boys being arrested is 15 in Iran. Are you seeing that kind of youth when you are out? When you see the protests? When you see those involved? Is it clear to you that there's a really young cohort? involved in this um as heartbreaking as it is to confirm that um yes uh yeah that that actually does reflect what i've seen myself because uh, that doesn't shock me at all because um can i can i tell you a personal uh anecdote just a short thing that happened to me of on course. the first like two days of the protest um i'm you know i i I drive around with a bike because when you're living in Tehran, the traffic is just, it makes your car useless, right? If you want to get anywhere, you have to have a bike. Okay. And in the first nights, I was just passing by. I, you know, partake in the protests and I was just going home. And before I know it, there were, uh, I was just running over three uh, of the tear gas canisters, right? And I couldn't see. Like, there was just tears in my eyes. I, was, I felt like I'm suffocating. I can't breathe. And because I was on a bike, it gets like quite dangerous when you're like, you know, riding around on a bike and all that. And so I just I stopped somewhere. Right. And because my eyes were filled with tear and I think I have a bad reaction to that to that stuff. Um, I, you know, I couldn't see what is happening before I knew it. Uh, there were four people 
who took me off my bike, put me down on the ground. One of them gave me a bottle of water. The other one light up a cigarette and just blew smoke in my face. So it, it could just, you know, take the, the effects of the tear gas away and all that. Uh -huh. and one of them had this uh, little fan and, and she was just fanning me with it. And I opened my eyes and I see these four kids. Dude, I'm 30. These, these kids were barely half my age, right? Wow. And all I could see, I was just, I, I was blown away. I was like, the bravery and the, uh, the pride I could see in their faces was mesmerizing, my man. It was amazing. I wow. never thought that I would say this, but I, you know, I feel bad for, because, you know, as an older guy, you just, you look at the younger generation and you're like, oh, this and that, you know, you, you make fun of them and you say shit. I feel such a tremendous shame for doing all of that. When I see how brave these kids are, it, it brings tears to my eyes, man. Are they aware of how, I mean, I, they, I guess they've got to be aware of how dangerous this is, right? Yeah, fully fully but um i mean they know the risks um they know exactly what they're doing i have never seen a more organized um generation in iran but at the same time the fact that they're doing it you have to stand in awe you know and you just look at them you're like dude i'm like i'm i'm, I'm 30 right i'm mm -hmm. I'm, I should be the one who is yeah. protecting you and, yeah. and, yeah. and trying to like stand in front of a bullet before you guys get hit. But, but you're doing that for me and you're leading the charges. It's just fantastic to see, man. Well, it's devastating. It's, de home, it's devastating, way. but it's also, it's, I mean, it, what a story. What a story. Yep. Can, can, can I ask you, I mean, with the internet crackdown, and I mean, I, I'm thrilled with how clear this line is right now. I don't know how we got it, but but um, because we've been trying different people all day and, and even my own family in Iran, we've had trouble getting through and stuff. Uh, are, are you, is it clear to you that the people, say your friends, other protesters, whatever, are aware of all the information? I mean, are you, for example, is, are people in Tehran aware of how many people are being killed or arrested in different parts of Iran? How bad this, the situation is in, in Zahedan? How, you know, what, what is happening in other places? The oil strikers you just talked about is that information getting through to everybody oh yeah absolutely um i mean back in back in 79 if you wanted to hide something that thing was gone like nobody could have known about it if something happened in in some village somewhere in the country right you could have buried that thing right easily because there was no widespread internet everybody has a supercomputer in their pockets at this moment right and these kids are just performing magic beyond my understanding man so even with like, the I internet crackdowns no even with the crackdowns it's even it's... with those yes yes because there is um i don't know if i should share this information on air or not but uh but but there are people uh within different organizations um that are helping the iranian people right and these are these are influential people in their own organizations. And this is a part of this movement being different from the one back in 2009 and 2010, right? The green movement. Um, part of it is that a lot of people who had faith in the system no longer have that, right? They no longer have faith in those, uh, in those constitutions that they used to yeah. 
quick end. Um, so at this stage, I think, um, I, not that I think, I'm sure, I'm sure that we are being helped by the people inside um, these organizations that are doing the crackdowns. Because, you know, at a, at a certain level, it speaks to your humanity. You know what I mean? You, if you're a human being, and if you have any kind of integrity, you will understand that what you're going through is not normal. Right. You know, it, this, this isn't something that a human being should experience in their lives. You know, you were just talking about um, the, the bravery of those kids, that story. I'm still reeling from that story. The four, the four people around yeah, you, one of them giving you water, one of them blowing a cigarette, and, uh, one of them with a fan, and you wake up and they're kids. Uh, but... I, I should say, I mean, you are exhibiting uh, quite a bit of bravery yourself. You're you're okay with me saying this because you told me so. So your name is actually Sam. There are a lot of people yep. who uh, are reticent to come on any kind of media program, uh, even if we can get in touch with them. And I completely respect that. I wouldn't want anybody to come on unless they're comfortable. Those who have come on in the last two or three weeks, we've been using pseudonyms, except for maybe one of them, I think. Um, tell, tell me why you're okay uh, and and where with you, us using your, your name, although we're not giving your full name, but and also where, where you, the conversation you have with yourself looking in the mirror when you go out there each day knowing what the implications may be. I mean, people are being shot for sitting in a car, you know, let alone uh, going down to where the action is. Well, I mean, not to minimize it, but as an Iranian, you call that occupational hazard. Uh, just might happen to you, you know what I mean? But the, the conversation in the mirror, that's a tough question. Um, the conversation in the mirror Every day I look at myself and I feel like I'm not doing enough. You know what I mean? Every day I look at myself in the mirror before I brush my teeth. I look at myself and I'm like, you need to be doing all that you can. And I, I know you, you know, I don't know if you've seen my Instagram, but I'm, I'm trying my best to, um, you know, perform all the things that mm. I know how to. Mm. You know what I mean? Like all the arts that I, that I, um, not an expert but I, I have a hand in i'm trying to do whatever i can i hear you and even um but even even with all that i still feel like i could do more you know what i mean and i feel like there's a lot of people in this country that they're they're in the streets every day they're they're, they're fighting the fight every day and they still feel the same way do you are you angry towards people in the West or other parts of the world that are not speaking out right now? Absolutely. Abs I'm infuriated. Dude, I have no idea how they can look at Ukraine and what is happening there and be like, oh my God, we need to help them. And look at a situation that is 40 times worse um, in Iran and be like, huh, that's fine. You know what I mean? It's just a, it feels like a double standard, doesn't it? But what about other Iranians who are not, who, you know, are somehow, I don't even know if they're on the fence at this point or just not speaking out. I mean, do you feel as someone who's in Iran, who's on the, on the, the front lines, do you, do you feel like you, there, that, I mean, what, 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 what do you want us to be doing? Those of us who are in the well, West. 
what you're doing right now is tremendous. To be honest with you, what you what you're do what you've been doing with uh, with documenting the contemporary history of Iran, what your podcast has been, it's tremendous. Because doing it in Farsi is one thing, and doing it in English is is a whole nother ballgame, man. Like you could have easily not just done what you're doing right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Wow. It could be way easier. It could be way. It could have taken way less of your time, right? Just not having a podcast. Not. I, having I a, could. A, I couldn't have easily done that. That not not me personally. I I am. I am all I think about right now is this situation and and my family uh, in Iran and 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 I I am. You know, you you know this. I know you've spent some time outside of Iran as well, and you yeah. you know that we are all colored by the last forty three years. There is not there. We are sure. all affected by it, and most of us, you know, there are some people who've benefit, benefited and and are driving their Lamborghinis in downtown Toronto right now, and we we've talked about that on this show. But there, oh but but God. but most of us. Uh, have been affected adversely have been desperately affected by it whether it mean it means family members have died have been killed or been tortured have been imprisoned or whether it means um the miserable life whether it means being exiled when we don't want to be all of those things uh and so uh, there's there's a, there's a buy-in for you know for all of us it's not it's i i don't personally feel like i could be doing anything else right now um I'm I'm so grateful for the time you've given us. Can I just as a final question to you? I mean, do you? Yeah. It's if I were to listen back to the last twenty twenty minutes, it's I'm assuming you are hopeful, uh, given the tone of this conversation, uh, even with 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 accepting what you've called an occupational hazard. Uh, yeah. How how do you feel about what is to come? Ah, that is, dude, you are asking a whole lot of loaded questions. Um, like, this is, do you have like 43 years so I can talk to you about it? <laughs> like, I mean, uh, things to come, things to come. I, I, let me just, I can make it simpler for you. Are you, right, right, you, you started off by saying you were feeling a, a cocktail of, of things. Uh, sure. Overall, are you hopeful for change in Iran? Absolutely, man. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, let me just say this. Um, I think this is the f one of the few times in my life that I've been very hope that I've you know when you see the the light at the end of the tunnel, I I haven't really experienced that all that much in my life because I have chronic depression. Um, and when I look at the light at the end of the tunnel in this situation, it gives me a lot of hope. When I look at my fellow um, Iranians, people who are, as, as we said, they're half my age. When I look at the determination in their faces, I'm just taken by it, you know, and it just gives me hope. And I'm like, look, if you guys are the future of Iran, I think we're going to be fine. You know, I think we're going to be prosperous and, and, you know, just successful in every front. If you people are the are the future of Iran, I know it's I know it's hard right now. I know it's going to scar some of us for life um, psychologically and, you know, God forbid, physically. But at the same time, these people are willing to pay the price 
for what they're going through. And that is something to just be proud of. You know what I mean? And as an Iranian, I've never felt more Iranian, to be honest with you. I've never felt more like an Iranian um, hmm. as I have in the past, let's say, four weeks. And I think that sort of determination that I see in these fights and in these protests just gives me a lot of hope. And it really reconnected me to, um, to, my, to, to my people. I mean, my people as in Iranian people. Mm-hmm. Sam, please, please take care of yourself. Thank you for this. Sure. You too, man. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye-bye. The breath of the morning I keep forgetting The smell of the warm summer air I live in a town Where you can't smell a thing You watch your feet For cracks in the pain Special edition of Rook, episode 206, The Uprising, Voices from Inside Iran, number three. And we're going to stay in Tehran and actually go to somebody that we spoke to two weeks ago. Um, we had a very compelling conversation. I'm glad to have her back. She works in an office, uh, an import-export uh, business in Tehran. And we, for the purposes of this interview, we will call her Sara. And it's good to have her back. Sada, are you there? Uh, hi, Jian. Uh, nice to hear your voice again. Uh, I'm here to answer your question. Thank you so much for doing this again. Um, let, let me just start by asking you, it's been a couple of weeks since, since we last spoke. Um, how are you feeling? And what have recent days been like for you um, protesting in Iran? Uh, you know, I'm I'm so tired. In fact, um, we had so many protests during the last weeks, and uh, it's not the protest anymore. It's absolutely a revolution. Uh, there are so many many people protesting around. Uh, this country in Kurdistan in uh, um, north of Iran uh, south of Iran everywhere and uh, I think that this is uh, not a protest anymore this is a revolution and we are so angry we are so angry because of the uh, young people that have been killed by the government and um, there are so many students students uh, I mean childs yeah. I mean um, high school students that have been arrested by the um, government forces and that is so sad and uh, we are so angry but uh, mm, we are going forward. 
we cannot go back or stop this uh, here. We have to move on. Yeah, I can hear the passion in your voice, and um, you're not alone in terms of this. This has been the week where. I guess people inside Iran and, and those of us outside have learned that this is indeed a revolution, as you say. Um, and I appreciate all the points you just made. Look, I, I, I hear that yesterday you had your own, um, you, you were injured yesterday or you had an encounter. Can you, do you feel comfortable describing what happened? Yes, uh, it's been 25 days since I decided to go out without a scarf. Every morning I go out without a scarf and every night I come back to uh, our home. The people action and reaction was so good. Uh, even I uh, passed uh, some police guards last week and they didn't do nothing. Uh, they uh, didn't act something weird. That, that was so normal to them. I, 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 that was so weird to me. But yesterday I was on a quiet alley and uh, I was walking um, and I, uh, I wanted to join the protesters in the main street. Suddenly I felt something. Uh, a guy on a motorcycle came and kicked me, kicked uh, with um, his foot onto my side. And uh, I felt on the, on the uh, street. And that was so painful. I was so shocked. Uh, I didn't know what's going on. Uh, old lady that was uh, behind me, she came and told me that he was a guy with beard and uh, he was some Basiji guy or I, I, we call them Lebas Shaksi. Yes, plain clothes but militia. I, uh, the uh, old woman told me that he was a Basiji guy. Yeah. And I heard that uh, that wasn't just me. I heard that uh, around the city uh, last day there were some cases just like me that the women and girls, uh, they were walking on the street and uh, the Basiji guy attacks, attacked them, not the police. And meanwhile, I'm talking to you, you can hear the chanting. Uh, can you hear that? They're chanting on the street and they, they say, uh, death on dictator, death on Khamenei. First of all, I'm so sorry that happened to you, but uh, we've been hearing that the um, the Basij are getting more and more aggressive. So maybe that's what you're communicating too in terms of um, you getting um, kicked and, and injured yesterday. Um, that said, with that and with the, with the sounds that we were hearing behind you there, um, it really does feel like uh, the protests are not going away. Uh, that's for sure. I heard yesterday was a big day in Tehran. Is it your sense that things are growing? In other words, the the crackdown by the regime, um, all of this brutal attacks and even murder of, of kids and, and the internet blockage, that's not stopping you or others at all. Let, tell, tell me what you think. 
I think they can't stop us. They are more aggressive than before, special the passage guys. Uh, but uh, we are bigger than uh, the past days. You know, uh, we grow every day. We grow every day because the people of Iran are so angry about this regime. And, uh, you know, you now we live in a revolution and you can't stop that. Uh, when the Basiji guy kicked me, I uh, stand up and I didn't put my scarf on my head and I was, um, I headed to my way. Uh, I didn't put hijab because of the passage kicked me, you know. Um, I was brave that moment because I was so determined, I was so angry, and I uh, knew that uh, moment that uh, I can't stop. Uh, you know, I think they can't uh, stop us. We are not afraid anymore. Uh, we, we, they can't stop us and uh, we are more uh, bigger than um, the past years even. And this is not just about the protesting. We have another movement, a strike. We have uh, oil company workers that are going to strike and um, it's about four days that the Petroshimi uh, in uh, south of Iran, the, their workers are uh, starting a strike and they are on a strike. It's the uh, fourth day. Once again, it's really inspirational talking to you as it was a couple of weeks ago. Your determination, your strength. Um, those of us outside of Iran are in awe of what you guys are doing. Um, a, f a final question to you, if, if, I, if I may. I've been talking on this episode, particularly at the top of the show, I talked about um, how incredibly um, angry and sad it makes me to see what is happening to children in Iran. The the murder and the arrest of these teenagers and these young people. Um, you referenced it yourself uh, at the beginning of our chat here. Um, do, do you, can you, can you reflect on what you've seen in terms of um, what you're seeing from young people on the front lines in the protests, how brave they are, uh, whether you've seen them arrested or um, treated badly. I mean, we certainly know that there are, some of them are dying for this cause. Um, tell, tell us from your, your perspective what you've seen. On Saturday uh, evening, there was a protest that I came to in Shariati Street. I saw uh, young people, teenagers, about 15 or 16, and they were so brave, so brave. Um, they chanting just in front of the guards. And they were, uh, they wore the um, uh, uh, school dress, you know, uh, they were students and I was so shocked. Uh, uh, there is a woman in our gym uh, that I was uh, talking to uh, and she told me that her daughter is 15 years old and she uh, and her friend chant in a school every day they chant uh, death on Khamenei every day 
and uh, from the government they uh, they called the mother and told her that your child is chanting every day and if um, she continue this matter uh, we are going to arrest your daughter Uh, and the mother told me that her her child um, is not afraid anymore and uh, she told her mother that i'm not afraid and uh, i'm going to continue uh, the mother told me that uh, her um, daughter and uh, her friends um, after the school they uh, go on the around of the um, school on alleys around the school and the street and they uh, write the chants on the walls these are so brave so brave they are just 15 wow that is that's, that's an incredible story both of those stories so uh, what you saw on the front lines on saturday and the story of these these kids in school uh, i thank you so much for this khairi mochakaram thank you for taking the time again I, I know that you're in and amongst um, a lot of activity there, and uh, I'm so glad that we finally got through to you. Please take care of yourself, and I hope we can speak again soon. Merci. Thank you, Jian, and that was so nice to talk to you. And I hope that you uh, we talk again soon. Bye. It's a special edition of Rook, the Uprising Voices from Inside Iran, number three. And we will stay in Tehran and go to another person that we spoke to a couple of weeks ago. And this is um, Som. Som is a filmmaker uh, and also a musician. And it was um, he was very involved uh, when we spoke to him a couple of weeks ago. It'll be good to catch up again. Som, are you there? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Well, uh, it's good to hear your voice again. It's good to talk to you. I thank you for returning on the program, and uh, I'm very curious nice to hear you. to hear how how you perceive things have gone in the last two weeks since we last spoke. You are still in Tehran. I imagine you're still involved in the protests. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think we, we, many we, people are. Yeah, we've certainly learned that they're not going away uh if there was any idea that this was ending it it hasn't tell me first of all to begin with how you're feeling today about uh, i know that the feelings change from day to day how are you feeling today about the situation um not not particularly new uh yesterday was one of the bigger days um today was just more normal but yeah 
not particularly new. It's going the same way it's been going for, I guess, the past two weeks. Of course, like more cities are joining in, uh, small cities that I had very little information about are joining in. But in terms of what's happening in Tehran, it's kind of become, become a routine. Like there are big days that like more things happen, more people in the streets. And there are smaller days that um, they're not might not be like a huge demonstration anywhere or like a lot of chasing going on. But there is still like people don't let the city to go to like its normal life. So, and I think that's a good thing. When you're you're not the first person who's talked about it being yesterday being a big day, um, can you describe from your vantage point what 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 we mean by that? What did you see yesterday that made it a bigger day? I mean, the days that people like put online that um, let's go out this time. They're like this this group. I don't know who they are, but they're called like uh, youth of. Tehran's neighborhoods, Javanan Mahalot. And so when they announced that like Wednesday is a day that we go out, then that day becomes a bigger day. It's not like uh like every other day. And those days usually more people are outside, there are more uh forces outside, and there's like at the least that happens is there's a lot of chasing in the streets, a lot of uh shooting pellet guns and yeah that's the least that happens i mean they don't it's been like i guess um after the first like week they don't let um at least as far as i've seen they don't let people like more than 100 people to get to anywhere Mm. um i mean even if they see like when 10 of their bikes go by uh even if they see like three people that look like they have come out for protests they will just shoot them um wow. so that's how like so it's like when you're in the spots that they suspect there's going to be gatherings like center of the city envelope street there are some places that everyone knows that door those are the hot spots and if you're there then like it doesn't really matter if you're there for protests or not, for the uprising or not, because uh, if they see you and it looks like or in, they're in the mood to scare some people, they will just shoot at you um, and you will start running. So it's like in those streets, there's just a lot of running around, running in the streets. And I, I think after the first week, they never actually let a huge uh number of people like more than i guess 100 people to gather in one place sometimes it happens but i think that's just because randomly everyone sometimes they end up in the same street and they find each other and then they right. start chanting but yeah that's not the norm S- something usually. that really stuck with me from our in our last conversation was that you said that this had morphed into something more of a street war where yeah. rather than the traditional big demonstration that the authorities exactly. are, can can identify and, and circle, this is kind of a war of attrition where you're you know you're popping up all over the place in smaller groups. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that that's how it it's worked. I think it's kind of become the point to just make them as tired as possible, as exhausted, and don't give them even a day to completely rest. And, and is that so, work? Is it working? 
I I think so. I mean, it's I think like again after the first week because it's become turned into this kind of street war thing. When you're going out, you're going out kind of expecting to be beaten and shot at, which is like the scary part. But at the same time, you can see that like even the days that I call the smaller days, like that uh, they haven't any no one has told people to come out because still like people honk their horns and do other stuff uh, they have to be present their forces have to be present they have they have to like run around or uh, drive around in their uh, bikes to scare people so there's no day there's yeah there's no day that the city is like normal the, it yeah. certainly seems that it's obviously hard to tell from our vantage point. We're getting, you know, little videos and personal um, uh, updates from people like you, but but uh, uh, it certainly seems like the regime, the the military, the police, the thugs, whatever you want to call them, uh, and all the different variations of them have become more um, unforgiving, more brutal in the way they're dealing with things. Sometimes even just stupidly randomly. Uh, I told a story on Monday's program about how on the weekend hearing about, I mean, we obviously hear about the incredibly tragic and disturbing death of teenagers, et cetera, people being murdered. But, yeah. but uh, you know, I, I, I was telling a story of how a dear friend of mine's sister was just in her mm-hmm. car with her mom and happened to be at a gas station where someone else was honking nearby and they came and broke the windows and shot her in the face she wasn't i mean she wasn't even literally wasn't doing anything you know um and so are you seeing more of that kind of um shit yeah that happened i mean i i have a lot of stories from close friends from people i know like uh i have two friends who just went to into a supermarket i mean they had been in the uh, protests that day but like at night nine at night somewhere that is not very like it's north of Tehran, not like a very hot spot they went into a supermarket and there were like maybe seven other people there and then suddenly the forces came in and took everyone everyone's phone and arrested both of them they let one of them go that same night but the other one is still arrested there's like a lot of random and they also yeah randomly just shoot at people who are in the sidewalks like yesterday um when we were at the like Engelop street one of our friends who were who was supposed to join us she called us and said that her friend she she and her friend were walking and they randomly shot at them with pellet guns and her friend was wounded so we uh, got in the car and picked them up and took them to um, hospital to a doctor that I knew so they wouldn't like write down their names mm-hmm. and like yeah I mean she had to she, they like treated her and uh, they did x-ray and she had to I mean the doctor said that she had to do a surgery but because if she wanted to do it so her hand was broken it was uh, shot so close that the back of her hand, one of the bones was broken. And um, the doctor said that normally you have to do the surgery, but because for for us to do the surgery, we have to file this with your real name. Uh, they decided to just put a cast on it and just check up on it like 
every other day and try to like treat it without the surgery for so like crazy. the next yeah the it's next so month crazy. and he said like uh, if if after a month we do another x-ray and you definitely need the surgery then we'll just do that then but for now they decided not to do that because sometimes they go to the hospitals and check all the files yeah and so I it wasn't this is, I, again on monday's show i told the story of, of, about this friend of mine's sister and then uh same thing they took her to the hospital and after the doctor tended to her the hospital said the the doctor said you better leave go through the back door because otherwise the authorities are going to get i mean these are the kind of things that um for people who've been like yourself who've been living in iran um you you might become used to but they're just shocking and they're um and and the fact that the doctors are are in on it helping is wonderful but it it speaks to this this in this nationwide game that has been played for 40 43 years of cat and mouse with this you know regime where everybody has to figure out ways to avoid these these situations and it's (laughs) it's it's comical and but also really 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 disturbing right yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's really disturbing. I mean, um, a lot of times you're at this at the same time you're mad that this is like for the friend that I just told the story. She was at the same time mad that like I was just walking. We were just walking. Why did they shoot me? And at the same time, she was happy that she was one of the lucky ones. She was like, "Oh, what if it had hit my eye? What if they had arrested me after? What if I?" What if you guys were not close by to pick us up? Like there was like a lot of things that went right for her to, uh, for this to not get any worse. So, yeah, it's really weird. So, Sam, so by every indication uh, that I, certainly that I've seen and that I'm hearing from the folks we're speaking to today, like yourself, the old tricks of the regime, the old brutal tricks of the regime, including killing people. Uh, as part of the of, of a crackdown, is they're not working this time, right? That that in fact, uh, it seems to be emboldening those who are fighting for change. Yeah, I I think so too. I mean, I think it never actually helps when they like crack down on protests um, because it just makes people angrier. I mean, they might silence it for a little while. They haven't this time but even like before they can silence it a little while but they actually just create more unrest within people i mean there's a lot of normal people walking by who are being shot at there are like a lot of normal people uh, who might not be really involved in the protests who are like in their stores and they just smash their uh, storefronts for no reason uh so yeah i mean they're just creating more unrest they're creating uh more anger and can i ask you to to reflect um i've been asking everybody this i started today's show talking about children that are being murdered in iran and calling out wondering where the hell unicef is because uh, there's a convention of uh, for the rights of the child and and iran is um, by the way, a signatory to that convention, as silly as that sounds, but is abrogating this the, the, the articles of this convention all over the place by the treatment of the kids right now. Um, on the ground, are you are you seeing these young people? We've been hearing stories about the bravery and the and the 
um, the presence of these these people, these kids who are in their you know mid teens. Uh, are are you seeing that, and can you relate any stories of of what you've seen? Um, a little bit. I mean, uh, I, we don't see them as much like in the street wars, which is I think a good thing. But I think the way they are protesting, like the high school kids in the high school is really good and also a lot of us see them like when they're coming out of their schools they do some chantings and the girls are without their headscarves and uh, yeah i i mean you can see that in the city but um it's also i think a good thing that you don't see them as much in the actual like street wars because that's really not where kids supposed to be so yeah what can you tell us about what you've noticed today in particular we had the most trouble that we've had connecting with people in iran is it your sense that the internet crackdown is harsher now than it was a few days ago or is it just hit and miss and it's a bad day um i think it's hit and miss it's two things first of all there's days that are worse like yesterday because they knew it's gonna be a bigger day they just cut um, phone internet from the morning usually the phone internet is gone from 4 to 12 exactly like 1201 it's back hmm. um, and wi-fi internet works usually but yesterday they just cut off phone internet from morning because they knew and the other thing so that hasn't really changed for today but what they're changing is that whenever like a large number of people use a particular VPN or proxy server, um, they kind of find that protocol and block that. So what we const constantly do is we just constantly find new uh, VPNs. And like right now I have maybe like 20 different VPNs on my <laughs> phone and just I try them one by one. And sometimes I don't really know why, but sometimes when they block one, one of the old ones is now okay. So if you keep going back to the old ones and try them, maybe they work. Like yesterday, I had a really bad day with all my VPNs. I found a new one, and today this this new one is working really well. They've so, they've they've unwittingly created a nation of hackers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, especially like some of these VPNs are not like your typical VPNs. You just copy a large text from a source on somewhere on the internet and copy it and paste it in the software. Like I had never done anything like this before. <laughs> yeah. Um, thank you again for doing this. Can I just no ask how, how have you been able to deftly avoid getting arrested yourself? Um, I mean, it's kind of luck and yeah, I think it's luck and because like there was the the one time that I was like shot multiple times in the back, I think I got very lucky that I didn't get arrested because they thought, I mean, they didn't think they successfully ambushed me and some other random dude I didn't know. Yeah. I think he was just a normal guy walking in the I remember the, the story alley. and then they they took him and you ran away. You, you, go, you got yeah, away. Yeah. yeah, so I mean, that time I just really got lucky and yeah i think it's mostly luck because even when you run away there's a big chance that they hop on a bike and 
follow you there's a chance that you reach to another street that one of them is waiting there so like but we're also no hearing stories we're also hearing stories about people uh, about the authorities coming to you know, knocking on the door and and you know having a sense of who's been out there and coming and dragging them out of their homes that hasn't happened that too yeah yeah I, it hasn't happened to anyone i know i mean i i know a lot of people who have been arrested i know people who have been arrested and then later let go of some of them like 10 days later some of them just the same night there was like a friend who like i think 2 a.m i think they don't have enough space for the people they're arresting right, so right. like at 2 a.m they put them like near a, a freeway with like um with their blindfolds and for some reason they also hit them like multiple times oh and then God. left right. and and then when they like lifted their blindfolds they were like oh we're in the middle of hemat's freeway for no mm -hmm. reason um so yeah they do arrest a lot of people um yesterday i saw like they stopped a random car he was they they weren't honking and he came out of his car and then suddenly they ambushed him and took him away and a girl too. I don't know. We do, really don't know if they had tagged them from before, if they had seen them somewhere, but yeah, they arrest a lot of people. The, the one thing that's making the news in the last couple of days for those who are watching it very closely is the emergency of these, um, I mean, I'm, again, this is probably not any news to you, but the emergence of these uh, psychological re-education centers uh, where they... They they take people. Yeah, and, uh, that's really fucked up. Yeah. Do you you've heard about this or you know about these? I I I haven't. I I just read about them on Instagram. I don't yeah. I don't know anyone who has been taken there. But yeah, it's really bad. Yeah, it's a real Khmer Rouge stuff. That that is is unbelievable. Um, Sam, please take care of yourself. Thank you so much for this again. No problem. No problem at all. Thanks bye bye, brother. Me. Bye. This dream I'm dreaming Won't you wake me up tonight Cause this life I'm living Doesn't really feel like mine. This strange dream This is a Rook special, a special edition, episode 206, The Uprising, Voices from Inside Iran, a series we've been doing every Thursday here on Rook. This is our third uh, edition of doing this, and we are now going to go to the north of Iran, uh, to a city in the north of Iran, which we'll, we won't name, uh, nor will we say the person's actual name. This is going to call you Marjan. This is a painter who has been very involved in the protests in the north of Iran. Marjan, are you there? Yeah. Hi, hi. Thank you for hi. doing this. Uh, thank you. Marjan, um, tell, tell me, first of all, uh, today, where you are in Iran, how, how are you feeling? What What is the atmosphere like? Uh, first of all, I feel a lot of pain because I have nieces and nephews in the same age and i think it's a uh, different this time 
the um, processes are different this time. Did you say you feel pain? Yeah. Tell me. Tell me. <laughs> anger. Tell me why you feel uh -huh, pain and anger. You mean you, yeah. you're you're angry at the regime, or you mean you feel um, sad that that your nieces and nephews have to be protesting? Um, I'm anger of all the things that happens uh, for Massa, Nika, Hadis, and because they are the same age of my nephew and nieces, and. I can't um, understand why they kill kids. <laughs> yeah. And so you've been going out on protests in the north of Iran, yes? Yes. And can you describe the protests for me? What has it been like for you? Uh, yesterday it was amazing. Real uh, protests are set up um, Saturday, I think. Uh, but yesterday was supposed to be just a distraction to make regime's eyes of Sanandaj, but it turned to be one of the greatest protests ever. Yeah, and, and you were there? Uh, yeah. And you were okay that we see these footage of tear gas and people being beaten and stuff that didn't happen to you I guess I had run away you ran away yeah but uh, um, um, you can say this appointment and tridness in officers they are also being more um, brutal you can so, so you can see the disappointment in the in the officers. Do you mean that you can tell that they're um, scared or that they they don't want to be doing what they're doing? They're just too tired. Uh huh. Okay, you can see them after a few days. خودش من گفتم تایرد نشدی گفت که ما تایرد نیستیم اونا تایرد شدن شما هم همین yeah. فکر میکنی yeah. yeah. you can speak yeah. in Persian if it's easier go ahead آره من هم همین فکر رو میکنم که اونا خیلی خسته شدن برای اینکه این اولین باره که یک مکان مشخص مشخص نمیکنیم و تمام شهر شروع میشه برای همین هم باید تایمه بیشتری بمونن و نیروهای بیشتر برای همین خسته شدن یعنی خستگی رو تو چشمشون میشدید بله و وقتی که گفتی دیروز خیلی تظاهرات بزرگی بود و یکمی سپرایز شدی یعنی فکر میکردی که اینا دارن that the protests are, are getting smaller or did you, you, were, did you notice tomorrow, yesterday that it just keeps getting bigger چون که یک کمی نمیدونم این روزا اینطوریه که یک کمی هر روز آدم ناراحت میشه ناامید میشه ولی اینکه واقعا در هشتادی ها خواهست شدن که ناامید نشیم چون اصلا کوتاه نمیان و دوباره دیروز خیلی خوب بود یعنی همه جا شلوخ شد و مردم دارن شجاعتر میشن یعنی هر چقدر که اذیت میکنن مردم بیشتر دارن این خشمه داره بزرگتر میشه آه. 
یعنی از نظر شما این واقعا مثل انقلاب دیگه It's not gonna stop. من فکر میکنم ما دیگه راه برگشتی نداریم چون اگه برگردیم هممونو بدترین شکل ممکن مجازات میکنم برای همین باید ادامه بدیم خودت نمیترسی؟ من خودم رو یک بار گرفتم اطلاعات به خاطر استوری ها فعالیت اینستاگرامی کی؟ حدودن ده روز پیش بردن شما بردن زندان یا چه کار کردن؟ نه به من زنگ زدن و من خودم اول جواب ندادم وقتی دیدم که شماره ناشناسه بعد خانوادم زنگ زدن و گفتن که باید فردا صبح حتما بیاد من با چند نفر صحبت کردم و گفتن که اینا آدرس تو دارن پس بهتری که خودت بری چون گفتن اگه نیایی میاییم دنباله و من رفتم اونجا یه بازجو بود و یه پرونده حدوداً صد برقی از من داشتن صد نهزار شاید خیلی بزرگ بود یعنی هر فعالیتی که من توی اینستاگرام و فیسبوک انجام داده بودم رو پرینت کرده بودن جلو خودشته بودن آره. و نکته جالب و بعدش این بود که اطلاعاتی از من داشتن که من حتی شعر نکرده بودم و فقط نزدیکانم دوستان نزدیکم میدونستم و این نشون میده که یکی از دوستای نزدیکم گزارش منو داده واو این باعث شده که من بیشتر خشمگین بشم و فکر میکنم اینجور گرفتن ها فقط داره مردم رو خشمگیل تر میکنه خب همینه که این دفعه خیلی جالبه جالب چون که مثلا ام ام اون آبان سه سال پیش چهار سال پیش که کرکتان کردن و اینا این کارا رو کردن دیگه بعد از سه چهار هفته تمام شد ولی این دفعه مثل این که تمام نمیشه و, و مردم مثل شما که میگیرن برمیگردی دیگه رفتی دیروز پروتست کردی بازم ها؟ درسته Um, یه چند روز آدم شاید بترسه ولی بعد دوباره خشمش چون خیلی بزرگه چون آدم نمیتونه که ساکت بمونه دوباره وارد میشه از اخبارایی که اخباری که داره uh, what's happening all over Iran and the different arrests and protests and killings um, همین خودت گفتی که نیکا و مسا اینا um, اخبارا میشنوی میش, شما یعنی um, با این اینترنت که بستن و خط کردن هنوز تمام اخبار ها دارن میان آره من خودم یه لیست ده پونزه یه تعداد ده پونزه تا وی پی این دارم که خلاصه هر روز تلاش میکنم بعد سه چهار ساعت خلاصه با یکیشون وقتی میشم و خبر رو همه رو میبینم و اصلا کلا این موضوع باعث شده که من تو تمام ایران الان دوست داشته باشم و خبرها رو مستقیم و واقعی از همشون دریافت کنم این تظاهرات ها چطوری ارگنایز میکنن؟ یعنی, یعنی چطوری میدونی که یه پروتستی میان؟ یا, یا همینطوری توی, توی کوچه ها میری یا پیدا میکنی؟ آره این دفعه اصلا به نظر من خوبیش اینه که اصلا 
تن مثلا کسی نگفته که برین اینجا برین اونجا واسه همینه که اونا رو داره خسته کرده یعنی هر کی میاد بیرون میره یک خیابونی یکی از خیابونای اصلی میبینه شلوغ هم اونجا وای میسته و برای همینه که یه جا تو شهر شلوغ نمیشه تمام از بالای شهر تا پایین شهر داره شلوغ میشه داشتم میپرسیدم از همه که این برنامه امروز که شروع کردم یه, یه گفتگوی کردم که خیلی دارم ناراحت میشم مثل هممون که بیشتر این زیاد از این مردم که دارن که میکشن و رست میکنن اینا بچه هن تینیجر هن پونزده سالشون هستن مثلا ام وقتی که شما میری بیرون و پروتست میکنی و میبینی که جمعیت جوانان do you see a lot of those kids at the protests and, and are you seeing them get arrested as well آره جمعیت بیشتر جمعیت جوان هستن و به طرز جالبی تعداد زنها خیلی بیشتره و اگه یکی رو بخوام بگیرم قشنگ خانوما میفتن جلو که نجات بدن و ولی خب بیشتر آره بیشتر دهش هفتادی ها و هشتادی ها هستن و همه پونزه سال شونزه سال هستن و اصلا نمیترسن اصلا نمیترسن یعنی میفهمن چقدر ترسناکه ولی نمیترسن آره درسته Um, شما دوست, دوست داری که uh, Do you have friends or relatives that have been arrested or um, uh, injured or worse? Uh, آره من خودم خواهر زادم و یه بار خیلی زدن و شکر رو تایم طولانی رو بدنش نگه داشتن و کل بدنش سخت و همینطور یکی از خودم هم چند بار چون خونمون نزدیک محله چند تا بچه رو نجات دادم و تنشون پر از ساچمه بود مرجان are you how aware are you of the support around the world the protests in support of Iranians like you who are there on the ground um from big demonstrations to celebrities to uh, do, you, do you see that? Do you hear about all of that? خیلی یه اولین باریه که این همین تظاهرات ها باعث شده که مردم دنیا صدامون رو بشنبند و بفهمن که ما مثلا مردم ایران با گاورمنتمون فرق داریم و شاید نمیدونم خیلی ها میگن خب میرن اینجا که چی بشه ولی برای من و خیلی این که سلیبریتی ها میان از همون حمایت میکنن و اینا قشنگ مثل یک چیز امید یه امیدیه یه امیدمونو بیشترش میکنه خیلی متشکرم که با ما حرف زدی امروز یه سوال آخری بپرسم که با فامیل شما چه حرفایی میزنی که مثلا میگن به شما نرو بیرون و اینا یا یا اونا میفهمن که با دیگه نمیتونن جلوی شما رو بگیرن نه خانواده من خودشون هم همه همینطوری هستن همه میام بیرون آه. همه دوست دارن که عوض شه و حمایت میکنن 
it's very good to talk to you. I hope you stay safe, and I really, we all appreciate the what what you're doing for change. Thank you. Merci. I'm glad to. Uh, I'm very happy to be with you. I'm very happy to be with you. Merci. Oh, um, that's uh, Majon in the north of Iran. And this is full time for this special edition of Rook. Um, thank you to all of the people who participated in this. It's, it's a big deal. It's a big deal to, to get online with us and put yourself on the line. Of course, they've been doing that in all kinds of ways anyway, but uh, we really appreciate them participating in this episode. Uh, this is full time for Rook. Thank you, Pega and Shia, who've been here the whole time as well. Our website, rookmedia.com, is where you can find out more information. And all of this series now of episodes we've been doing um, called The Uprising, uh, it's all there at rookmedia.com. Thanks to the amazing team who put this show together, uh, Roham, Anahita, Parisa, Pega, Merthod, and Shia. Thank you to all of you out there for supporting us and sharing our content. Please subscribe. If you haven't done so already, you can find me on Instagram at Giangomeshi. And as ever, Mizu Mashi. Mizu Mashi.